Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Well, it's an honor to be in service with all of you once again this morning. I like what I feel in the place already. In Jesus' name. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and jump right in. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Again, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting with verse number 9. And as they mentioned earlier, we are missing our pastor this morning. <laughs> Everything is always a little different when he's gone. So it makes us realize how thankful we are to have a man of God in our lives. Amen. <laughs> All right. So first Peter chapter two, starting with verse number nine, says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And holy nation and what? A peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, see, it's funny growing up in church every time well, almost every time. I'm sure you guys have witnessed this, too. But a lot of times when you hear preachers read this verse, you know, everybody's going crazy. You're a chosen generation. The whole crowd just a royal priesthood. Holy nation on and then they get to a peculiar people and they're just kind of like peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him. They don't like that phrase right there sometimes because we don't like to be called peculiar. It's just it's a nasty word sometimes. But verse 10 says, which in past you were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So for the next couple minutes. I just want to focus on that one little phrase, and I just want to preach to you on this topic, a peculiar people, a peculiar people. If you would set your Bibles down and pray over this service with me this morning, Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to come into your presence. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that we feel here. God, I pray that you would anoint this vessel. Lord, your word is anointed. I pray that you would help me to do a good job in a little bit of time. Help me to get forth, show forth this message that you've given me. In Jesus' name, we thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. So on the heels of coming into this precious truth comes a dream. Somewhere in the recesses of their mind, a dream begins to formulate. It begins in your spirit. Somewhere a dream is born. It could be a literal dream, an imagination, a dream of desire to work for God, or a dream of a calling of God. You know, you may have come in and said, you know, I want to be a soul winner. I want to be a Bible study teacher. I want to be the greatest Sunday school teacher this world has ever seen, or I want to know my Bible more than anybody else. And see, God saved you with a purpose in mind, but our enemy is not excited about your newfound dreams. He desires to derail you before you can get too far. See, our persecution today isn't like it was thousands of years ago. You know, it's no longer having rotten tomatoes thrown at us. It's not being imprisoned. It's not being beaten, and thankfully, I'm 
I'm proud to be in a country where we can gather like this freely and we can worship our God. And it's not our persecution isn't being burned at the stake, but our persecution today is mental and verbal. See, we have been we've been considered weird. See, because not every church does what we do. Like we don't have a whole lot of denominations anymore that run the aisles, you know, hoot and holler and speak in tongues. So a lot of times, you know, you're out in public and you start talking to somebody and they're like, oh, you know, you go to church. I'm like, yeah. Well, what religion are you? I'm Pentecostal. Oh, <laughs> you're one of those. See, we're considered strange. First Peter four and three says, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them in the same excess of riot speaking evil of you. See, if I'm strange because I'm not out drinking, I'm not out drugging or shooting up somewhere, then please <laughs> go ahead and call me strange. If strange is falling in love with the one true God of this universe, if strange is loving my family or being faithful to your spouse, if strange is being faithful to the church, then strange is okay with me. Please call me strange. See, this is a good one. This is one that I've heard a lot. They call us holy rollers. See, the scripture tells us, come out from among them and be ye separate. We were, it was after church one day, a whole uh, slew of people from the church went out to eat. We went to a Mexican restaurant. And we were just sitting there, you know, laughing, cutting up. You know, everybody's in a good mood after a great service. So we're sitting there eating our food. And this gentleman comes up to my dad and is like, hey, do you, do you guys go to church somewhere? And my dad was like, well, yes, sir, I'm actually the pastor. And he started talking to him. And he was like, there, there's something different about you all. And my dad was like, really? He's, what, what, like, what's that? And the man just looked at him and said, your ladies look like ladies. <laughs> he was like, I hardly ever see that anymore. Second Corinthians 7 says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. See, we dress the way we dress for a reason. We're not perfect, but we're working at it. See, this is why we dress different. This is why we talk different. This is why we walk a little different than everybody else may. So please call me a holy roller because you're really saying that I'm like my God. First Peter 1, 16 says, be ye holy for I am holy. So please go ahead, call me a holy roller. Some people think us fools. First Corinthians chapter four says we are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. And I'm sure a lot of you have heard me talk about this, but my parents were missionaries to Germany for a long time. And I was born overseas, lived there for almost half of my life. But we would always go out and do services out on the street. We would always take groups from the church and just walk downtown Augsburg, Germany. That's the town I was from. And we would just pass out tracts and pray with people right there on the side of the road. Well, we met this one young man. My dad met him. And his name was Aaron. And Aaron grew up in a typical German home. They were very staunch Catholic. And so my dad started talking to him. 
And whenever my dad was like witnessing to him and telling him about Jesus and all this stuff, he got so excited. And he started sneaking over to our church. Well, his dad found out about it. It was like, if you go back to that apostolic church, you are no longer welcome in my home. So this has been going on for months. Aaron had kept coming, got filled with the Holy Ghost, got baptized in Jesus' name. And then one day, he walked into service with a garbage bag slung over his shoulder. My dad went up to him and said, hey, hey, Aaron, what happened? He was like, my dad kicked me out. <laughs> he was like, there's no way I can go back to that old religion because you guys do things differently from the way I'm used to it. But this is what I've been looking for. See, we don't act like this in our services. We don't run. We don't shout. We don't dance. We don't talk in tongues. And my, uh, my dad was talking to him. And Aaron was like, you guys have to act like this? He was like, you always have to go crazy. You have to run. You have to speak in tongues. And my dad just told him, oh, no, no, no. We don't have to. We get to. So all I can say is there's something in this that if you have not tried it, you're missing out. If it caused a young 18-year-old man to get kicked out of his home because he couldn't go back to an old dead religion, he knew that there was something alive at that apostolic church in Augsburg, Germany. If you have never run the aisles under the influence of the Holy Ghost, if you've never spoken in other tongues as a spirit gives the utterance, if you've never shouted till you've lost your voice, if you have never been intoxicated with the knowledge of Jesus, you are missing out. So please, go ahead. Call me a fool. You see, the Greek language is a very philosophical language. One word in Greek may take several sentences in English to properly explain, to give the full meaning of. See, the Greeks were great debaters, and they had a word for every situation. So this one word could encapsulate an entire situation. And it takes a lot of study and research to understand the true meaning of words and phrases of the Greek. So focusing on that word that we mentioned earlier, peculiar. See, the meaning of peculiar is often thought to mean a little weird, a little odd, not normal necessarily, unique, different from the way you normally do things, or possibly a little strange. It's thought to mean special, and there are certain connotations that can lead to that conclusion. Deuteronomy 7.6 says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen there to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. So we are a special people. Peculiar is also often thought to mean Purchased, And again, there are several connotations that can lead to this conclusion. Ephesians 1.14 says, Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Acts 20, Take heed therefore unto yourselves to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God where he hath purchased with his own blood. Psalm 74 says, Remember thy congregation which thou hast purchased of old. But you see, the true meaning of peculiar is a little different from all of those other definitions. See, the Greek word picture for peculiar is a circle. It's a big circle with a dot right smack in the middle of it. So it's just a big circle with a dot. It almost looks like a wheel without spokes. But you see, the circle controls the dot. 
it surrounds the dot. It owns that dot. It protects it, and it monopolizes that dot that's in the middle. And anything that wants to get to that dot must first go through the circle. So just like the circle is around the dot, So just like that circle surrounds that dot, so Jesus Christ surrounds his people. The same way that that circle protects that dot, when you have the Holy Ghost, you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you're peculiar. You're surrounded. So that means, now, Brother Don, I want you to try to break in the circle. So that means whenever something starts to happen, I mean, come on, try to get in. Whenever something starts to happen, some enemy starts attacking me or starts attacking my family. I'm peculiar. I'm surrounded. I've got the hand of God on me. So it doesn't matter what enemy can come against you. You are protected, and there is a hedge around each and every one of you. All right, go ahead and let him in. Yeah. All right. So not only does the circle protect the dot, but like I said earlier, it owns the dot. So that means that whatever comes inside that circle is also controlled by the circle. So that means whenever something comes in, it's not that God lost. God doesn't lose. It's that God saying, hey, <laughs> I'm going to let this happen, but I'm in control. So this situation can only handle, can only do what is allowed to do by the circle. Thank you guys. So that means, so every situation, everything that's coming against you or your family, it's inside of that circle. And it is under control of the hand of God. God hasn't lost, folks. Just because things look a little dark, just because things look a little dire, that doesn't mean that he's lost. That means that he's still in control because he controls everything in the circle. We are surrounded people. We are God's unique possession. God has his own all to himself. Psalms chapter 3 says, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. A shield. Psalms 5, for thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor. Wilt thou compass him about as with a shield. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about all in the circle. He shall cover thee with his feathers. Under his wings shalt thou trust. His trust shall be thy shield and buckler. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. You are a protected people, folks. God has got his hand on you and he is surrounding you as a shield. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about him that fear him. Paul said to the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk ye in him, rooted up and built in him, and established in the faith. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous runneth into it and are safe. 
See, we, we sing that old song. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in. So now next time you hear that song, I want you to think about that. That circle with the dot right in the middle. Because once you run in to that strong tower, you are protected. There is nothing that can rule over you. There is nothing that can control your life. Because Jesus is encamped about you as a shield, as a buckler, and as a strong tower. So next time you sing that song, I hope it has a brand new meaning. That you remember that you are a peculiar people. And that God is camped around about each and every one of us. We all know the story of Job. Job chapter 8, or excuse me, chapter 1. It says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and sheweth evil? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? So he's saying, So Job is obviously a righteous man. He's doing something to stand out to you, and you're, you're telling me to go, go attack him. Is he worshiping you for nothing? But see, Satan said, so do you think Job does all this out of the sheer goodness of his heart? And another version said it this way. Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. And see, every time I read this, I'm reminded of the verse in Isaiah that says, No weapon that formed, no weapon that is formed against thee shall proper. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Psalm 21 says, For they in, intended evil against thee. They imagined a mischievous device which they are not able to perform. So, you know what? The enemy is planning an attack on you right now. He may be controlling you. He may be doing his very best to get inside your mind, get inside your family, get inside your relationships. But let me tell you something. The devil may have concocted an evil plan. He called all the right devils. He set all the right traps. He prepared his poison. He planned all the right pit pitfalls for you. It was a nasty, terrible, wicked, twisted plot. Your demise was inevitable. Your downfall was sure. Your collapse was certain. It was destruction, perfection. But hell overlooked one thing. I'm peculiar. I'm in that circle. He can't get inside of that circle unless God says otherwise. And then he's still controlling him inside of that circle. So now when you hear this verse quoted, I want you to think about that and remember that you are peculiar. You Hopefully it has a whole new meaning. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light. Now, you may stand with me. Now... How do you know if you belong to him or not? Romans chapter 8 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man 
have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So these altars are open for every single person in this building. Whether you've never experienced the gift of the Holy Ghost or been baptized in Jesus' name, we have people ready who can baptize you right now. But this altar is open for everyone. Maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe the devil's attacking you and you just need to come up here and remind him. Say, you have no control over me because I'm peculiar. My entire life is built within this circle. So come on, everybody. Let's just begin to praise him and thank him for the victory because you are a peculiar people. You don't have to live your life in defeat. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He is encamped round about his people. You are peculiar. Burn up. May the fire of my altar never burn up. 